Adam LZ gets his first pro win. Von Gittin Jr. wreaks havoc on the rest of the field in a drama-filled weekend. And we discuss our dream drift car builds. All this and more coming up to you on episode 2 of The Monthly E-Break. Hello and welcome back to the monthly e-break, your super rad and super drifty podcast devoted, of course, to our sideways sport that we all love, coming to you not once, but twice a month. I am your host, Matthew, and joined by my good friend and co-host, Ricky. Hello, everyone. As a small disclaimer, we are having audio issues today. There's going to be some inconsistent audio at times today. Just try to bear with us as we get through this, so hopefully next episode we will be back to normal. So this will be our second episode. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about, especially about Formula D. But uh, first, let's kind of start with a little bit of fun here. So, Ricky, I'm going to just start right off the bat, man. Like, just an interesting question, I think, to get conversation flowing. What is your dream drift car? I thought about this. I don't – I mean, unfortunately, I couldn't come up with any kind of unexpected – awesome original answer i feel like i'm really gonna let everybody down i just i just want like a rocket bunny s13 hatch i love them (laughs) just like i'm so basic man i love the car i love the way it looks it's so cool um i I forget the guy's name um he had uh, a rocket bunny s13 one of the first guys i think to throw the vr38 into one his car was just so crazy looking at it i forget it's like been something I don't know. I don't, I don't want to sound stupid, but the, the, the car was just so cool, man. Rocket Bunny S13, like, come on. Yeah, that's man, where I started. I mean, yeah, Rocket Bunny S13s are certainly a popular <laughs> pick, no doubt. Are we talking about like a hatch so, or a coupe? I think we're going with hatch here, uh, right? And the first one. Yeah, yeah, I like the hatch. I mean, first car was a hatch. What motor? Uh, an LS. An L- going <laughs> LS, okay. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. From I'm the too south, much of a live in the, the woods. Come on, I know, man. You hate it. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I mean, like, I get that they're appealing. Uh, I'm just too much of a purist. I don't think I can. My, my problem is I'm cheap. I got like <laughs> I, I got like three trucks in the yard right now where I can get a motor. Like, it, it it's gonna be an LS. I can't get away from that. <laughs> hey, man. Look, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense in the United States to go that route. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people don't understand the reason, like things like RBs and two Js are so popular in spaces like Japan, is because it's the same thing there. You know, right, like, right. It's availability. Get, yeah, you can get one J and two J parts very commonly, whereas you can't here. Uh, for us, like the K series swap coming in is much more doable or easy to do, or the LS, like you said. Yeah. So I, I think that makes sense. Okay. All right, man. So, any, any, like, what wheels? Build, build me this car in my mind, bro. What wheels are you looking at? Oh, geez. I don't, man. That's that's deep for me. I've I've never, I've never bought a set of wheels for a car. Okay. I haven't. I'm a, I'm I'm cheap, you guys. I am cheap. Okay. All my drift cars had SEs on them. They had the stock SEs. Like I just just ran them how they came. Um, super cool wheels. I pretty much like most CCWs. Okay. Okay. CCWs. All right. All right. I'm getting the vision. I'm getting the vision. What color? All right. Slightly off-white for the car. 
and uh, I've always been a fan of like the bronze gold wheel setup, you know, with the chrome lip on them. Okay. It's looking those nice. Dudes in my who head. put the hundred dollar bills in the lip? Yeah, yeah. Like those guys who put the hundred dollar bills in the lip. I respect that. Okay. okay. All right. It's a big get... deal in my mind. Okay. Hundred dollar bills <laughs> in the lip, bro. That's what you gotta do. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, man. So, so I got the vision. It looks good. I like it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, just I mean, add some zip ties and you know, double sided 3M tape because that's that's the way I'm gonna do it. Um, too much too much missile car craze in my mind still. I haven't moved out of like you know the mid 2000s. That's where I'm at, man. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough, dude. So I think for me, uh, I'm definitely going S15, and I actually, I mean, you know this anyway, but part of the uh, upcoming Japan trip is uh, I'm going to definitely be scoping an S15 to bring over in 2022 or 2023, depending on production date. Um, I know a few people that can store it for me, so I'm going to try to go that route. But I, I think my dream is probably S15. I want to keep it SR, S15 six-speed. Like, I don't want to change anything I, crazy. I respect it. Keep it right where it is. I think I would go... Man, wheels like it's always difficult for me. I I like I like weds, of course. I'm a big weds guy, like my old Bosrys. I think I might go Serbs this time. <laughs> I'm definitely a fan of some of the Blitz wheels. I like the three two six power. I like Blitz rep wheels. I like those a lot. So maybe there. I'm definitely gonna put D Max coilovers on it because they're my favorites I ever owned. So I'm going D Max coilovers and color, man. I you know what my color? I don't really care. Like color or whatever the heck, I would probably go white because I've owned a majority white uh, S chassis. And I think it's just like tradition. Okay, yeah. so I'm going white, white pearl. And then some kind of I, livery, but not super crazy. Yeah, I, I, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable at home. So if, I mean, white's what you want. You want a, what, your fifth car? It would be my fifth S chassis. Leave, yeah, yeah. Leave it white. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, man. Okay, so for like a sidetrack, like out of nowhere idea though, um, and this might be blasphemy to even bring up on this podcast, but I like the way Honda Preludes look. Shouldn't the Honda Prelude have been rear-wheel drive, really? So like, I'm going to go ahead and I'll edit this part out so nobody actually <laughs> No, uh, uh, I mean Honda. Dude, Honda had some good-looking cars, bro. I mean, honestly, any car in my my mind can be relatively good-looking if it's rear-wheel drive. Like when I had right. a Nissan Versa daily, I was like, dude, if this thing was rear-wheel drive. If I lowered it and put the right wheels on it, like it would be, it'd be almost like uh, right. it'd be kind of cool. I mean, like, but I don't think so now. But I mean, I don't, I don't know what Versa you're talking about. Um, I mean, I had but, a 2013 Versa, yeah. bro. It was non-hatch. It was a normal like sedan Versa, and it got totaled in a wreck. Thankfully, <laughs> hey man, it was a good car, dude. It was a good car. It was at like forty miles of the gallon, man. You were dude just balling in that it thing. Did. You could, it did. You could have put the weds on there, man. Yeah, man. See, <laughs> could afford them at that time. <laughs> but yes, Preludes are good-looking cars. I agree. I get what you're saying. I don't want to move on. I feel embarrassed. No, I, Honda has some kind of thing, though, where they can't make a rear-wheel drive car. I think it's like something allergic. No, they're scared of it. It's some weird intimidation factor from all the other factories around them uh, doing a good job at it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. All right, man. So <laughs> that conversation went down some interesting alleyways. Yeah, it did. Uh, <laughs> let's get into Formula D. So this is, of course, going to be the juice of the podcast because we are in pro season. And again, for anybody who didn't listen to podcast number one, but did join us for podcast number two, 
we want we are definitely going to talk a lot more than pro drifting and a lot of people i think get stuck in the pro drifting hole uh it's not something that we're always going to be on but but it is in season so we are going to talk about it right now so jumping in around three and four was of course in monroe washington evergreen speedway definitely uh an interesting weekend for a couple of reasons to yeah. say the least yeah to say to keep it politically correct and PG to say the least. <laughs> to say the least, man. Yeah. It was interesting. All right, man. So starting off, like I don't ever, I don't want to ignore Pro Two. So Pro Two, your winners uh, this weekend, and Pro Two were Dmitry Brutsky. Uh, that's the Belarus driver. Guy drove outstanding. I mean, not much else to say than that. Like, he, he won. He deserved the win. Uh, spot number two went to Chase Smith, a guy who didn't really – I don't think anybody really expected, but it makes sense because he's a local. Uh, Evergreen is his home track, uh, self-described by him. So, I think uh, it makes some sense. And then spot three, which may be starting to form a little bit of a consistent note here, was Austin Mata. So – Two events for the rookie, and second time he grabbed podium. Uh, so that's definitely, I think, something to keep an eye on. And then your overall season, you're now uh, Brudski and Love. Uh, that's your winner in round one of Pro 2. Are tied at 164 points apiece. And then third place would go to Austin Mata at 152. Yeah, uh, so with those points being said, we would have to have – if Brutsky or Love don't make top 16, I think. I, I don't have all the points totally um, memorized, but if, if, if they don't make top 16 next round, um, that would put Mata in the lead for points, wouldn't it? You're saying in like a hypothetical scenario, like Mata does make it and they don't? Right, uh, right, I, right. I, if something happens next round where those two don't finish – above the top 16 he should take the lead in points i think he would theoretically i think he yeah. theoretically would i don't expect that i Brutsky was a good in round one uh, i don't remember exactly what happened off the top of my head i'd have to go back and look at round one I, I remember something happened with his car i remember he was having problems like early jumping and stuff too um i can't remember if he like wrecked or spun but he's a good driver uh, i think he i thought he was good in round one i think he's been great in round two Obviously, one. So I don't expect him to let off. Uh, Chase Schmidt will be the one I think that we would look at there mostly. Uh, and I think Schmidt is in fourth place now or fifth place. I think he's going to be the one who's going to have a harder time. That was his home track. And then Love, I mean, he seems very consistent. I think Jonathan Hurst is the best driver in Pro 2, and he's currently in in the top five. But out of it, he went out in the, the 16 in this round. So he lost some serious points, I think. Or maybe he went out at eight. He may have went out at eight against Love again. So he got eliminated also by Love this time, just like he did in round one. But I think he's honestly the best Pro 2 driver. But Brutsky, I think, is going to have some claim to that. I fully expect Brutsky to to be a Pro 1 driver next year if he chooses to. I think. Yeah, he's to beat a guy it. from the Pacific Northwest at his home track in the rain says a lot for your driving ability. Because um, Chase Schmidt running – at Evergreen Speedway in bad weather to get beat by somebody else kind of uh, shows how good that other driver is. Yeah, man, definitely. I do. I think Brewski is definitely going to be uh, somebody to watch. I can't remember off the top of my head too, but Brewski is being trained or driving for one of the pro one drivers. 
off the top of my head, I want to say it was Michael Essa, but that could be wrong. It just may be the BMW thinking in me. It's definitely somebody, though. I think it might be Essa. I, I think you're right. I heard um, D, uh, Jared DeAnda and Ryan Sage make a comment about if um, Essa was actually spotting for him during those uh, runs against um, Chase Schmidt. Yeah, and there's no doubt Essa eyes talent in Pro 2 to his credit because Brandon Sorensen and his sister – um, last year also were ESSA drivers. So, and Brandon, of course, made the jump to pro one this year and then didn't ever make it in, but he certainly has an impressive team of drivers. I believe that is who is with Brewski. Either way, Brewski's a good driver. I think he's going to have a pro one license at the end of the year. In fact, I mean, we're halfway through the season, I think, for pro two. I don't even know if he could theoretically even drop out of eight at this point, even if he didn't do good at the upcoming event. So I think he'll, he'll definitely make the top eight and get the license, I think, going into next year. So uh, let's get a little bit more into the butter, of course, Pro 1. So this was uh, certainly – just so, so I want to start off by giving Formula D some credit right before we tear into Pro 1 because there's going to be some credit taken away here. But over the last, like, year, year and a half, they've done much better at soothing out some of the controversy that we used to have. They've actually – smooth out some of the rules that were always a little subjective. They've been a little bit more transparent, especially bringing like Ryan Lontanen on the mic to kind of explain some of the situations. I think that began in a season like four or five years ago where Forrest Wang versus uh, Chris Forsberg occurred. So I think uh, they've been more transparent and uh, trying to get us information. This round is not going to be uh, – <laughs> Good for them, but but round three was okay for them. So round three, uh, just to go ahead and like kind of cap off um, to get to the winners, your round three winners were Von Gittin Jr. won his first first place in a bit. Frederick Osbo finished second and took his second podium of the season in three rounds. And Michael Essa finished third with, of course, Dai Oshiara finishing fourth, just on the outside looking in. I think in, in day one, so there was controversy with Divers Denofa, which you and I talked about outside of the podcast. That was an interesting one. So the there was contact between Chelsea and Di. It was when Chelsea was leading. And Di looked like on first glance that he hit Chelsea and went in too hard on replay, which they spent so long looking at this replay. It's happened multiple times this weekend. Way too much time. Chelsea, I guess, hit the e-brake. He's coming out of outer zone one, and and they're saying he he had a handbrake pull. There's a handbrake pull. Yeah, while still in the outer zone before the D-cell zone. Before the D-cell area at the end of uh, zone one, right? In the new zone, actually, because it used to be a touch-and-go right there. So that's exactly. We couldn't really see it in our replay. All the judges seem to be pretty decided that that's definitely what happened. It's interesting. So my my own my lone issue here, and I think by rules they made the right call, but there was so much slowing down in those areas. So you're almost really better off not following close right there. I hate to say that because I think you should you should always have competitive battles. I think drivers are being influenced not to drive close because they get punished. Uh, right. But, I mean, I didn't think Chelsea really egregiously slowed down. I, I think it's just – it's kind of a, an area that's going to cause concern. And then, of course, 
they could always do a better job explaining the decel zones to people. I know they always put up a map prior to the run, but it should be something that's kind of like ingrained in people's head. It leaves a lot of controversy. And and like how much decel is allowed, even if it's not a decel zone, Chelsea's blip was barely on the radar. And again, it's not like I'm really assigning fault to die. I'm not. I think by rule, I, I agree. I, I, I agree with the call as well. If, if, if Chelsea had any kind of slowing in the rear wheels, then he's outside of what is acceptable with the rules in that section. And to agree with you on the fact that I'm, I'm kind of wondering if we should have a little bit of, you know, maybe, maybe add some, uh, some leniency in certain areas because they're coming off of a banked corner down on the apron of a circle track, which is a pretty aggressive piece of racetrack um that, that that's a rough you know bank change on on a race car yeah so, i mean with the speed they're they're picking up chelsea in an interview previously said that they were now because of the lengthened uh entry in in into outer zone one they're coming in a little bit over 100 yeah and then full throttle through the entire corner which is the longest corner in fd i think they were saying it is yeah it's the longest corner i mean that that's a lot of driving right there to have a very small decel zone um and, and they're not allowed to have any corrections at all is kind of what supposedly. And then I think there, there were other issues that kind of con- are judging issues that conflicted what they said about Chelsea's run. So I don't know. typical FD round. Yeah. So looking at my notes, so Odie Buck, he's, he, he was driving with no supercharger. So Odie didn't end up podium in this event, but his car was pretty messed up from him hitting the wall in practice. And he drove with no supercharger. I think you got to give some kudos to that. He was basically driving an NA car at the time and then using extra nitrous is what they had as a backup plan. He did okay. Um, Odie, I think just kind of like last year, Odie has been on the precipice of winning the championship. And that's who I picked this year to win the overall for a few years now and just seems to not be able to quite hammer it down. And I'm curious if Seattle weekend for him is going to end up being that problem that keeps him from winning it yet again. Uh, because it was certainly interesting. I thought Vaughn, so speaking of the winner, I think Vaughn completely dominated the event. I want to be clear. I mean, like in round three, I don't really think there was much of a controversy of who won. I mean, Vaughn deserved to win. He drove probably the best we've seen him in years. I've had a little bit of criticism of Vaughn because I think that he's kind of been past his peak in the sport. I most at times don't even know if he cares anymore as much just doesn't seem as passionate as he once did when driving. He's a passionate guy, but when driving. But this event, it was a no-brainer. I mean, he won. I don't think there's any controversy there. Adam LZ. All right, so Adam LZ got his first win. Not only did Adam LZ get his first win, I thought Adam's run and, and his lead run, I thought it was probably the best lead run maybe of the whole entire top 32 against Gucci. It was a great lead run. He didn't just win it. I thought like it was like, yeah, I mean, he took Gucci out, but it was because he drove excellent. Adam drove ridiculously well. I mean, really, really well there. Now he ended up struggling, of course, in the 16, but he uh, he definitely drove well to beat Gucci. He was he threw down, like I said, the cleanest run we've seen him throw down at this point, and maybe the cleanest run, if not of just the top 32, maybe all day. I mean, it was a very clean run. Alec Robbins, the guy we talked about a long, a long time last time, the yeah. rookie. Robbins, my notes, I wrote down, looks more like a rookie. And <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that because I, I also wrote down, um, I was like, uh, maybe spoke a little too soon 
last episode. Yeah, Robbins, I think, left the door open for a guy like Masayama or maybe even like Rome yeah. to come in and now take Rookie of the Year because I think Alec – and I'm not saying he's not going to win it. I think Alec is certainly very aggressive. I still think if I had to take a pool of rookies and who I thought would win the Rookie of the Year, it's probably still going to be him. But, man, he left that door wide open. He drove – he drove poorly in this last round. I mean, I can't really sugarcoat that. Um, whereas in round one and two in St. Louis, uh, some people said, like, they thought he looked out of control. I didn't think he looked out of control in round one and two. Like, yeah, he wrecked and stuff. I thought it was just excitement and aggressiveness. And this round, he legitimately looked out of control. He had trouble initiating. Yeah. He had trouble holding it along the bank. Obviously, he had trouble trying to keep it out of the side of people. It wasn't a good look. I think that's probably just some hype from last time. So I'll be interested to see how he does in the final four rounds and see if he brings that back home because he's got the talent. Uh, but he yeah, certainly yeah, he, can't keep doing that. No, you can't be taking out other people's cars. And I think he caused major damage to Turek twice. Um, yeah, you're not going to make friends that way. And and being an early, early driver, like you, you just dial it down a little bit you'll make more friends in the sport by not taking their cars out of the competition, you know, than you will by trying to show go a hundred percent every single time. So just ho- hoping to see better performance next event for sure. Cause we, we did speak highly of him and, and it showed well that he can drive. So I agree with you. So Masayama got his first win of formula D USA against Dan Burkett. I thought Masayama drove really well. He unfortunately got matched up in the next round against Justin Pollock. Justin Pollock had a really good weekend. And Pollock, I think, uh, un- I mean, or I think Pollock objectively beat Masayama. Uh, Masayama definitely drove well. When I said Robbins kept the door open, I think it's also to do with Masayama coming on a little bit in this event. And uh, if he kind of uses that going into the final four rounds, if he grabs a few more wins, he may very well be able to get the rookie of the year. Rome continues, by the way, I just want to insert this. It's not necessarily something I wrote down, but Rome continues to drive really well, but just can't quite get the W. You realize that? I mean, it was even more impressive in like round in uh, round four. So Sunday's event, uh, but Rome continues to really drive well and something just seems to keep him out of winning it. I thought he actually probably beat Pollock uh, in day four. And uh, it's a shame that it went the way it did, but uh, and then my last note is uh, Dai, of course, goes to the final four. Dai Oshara drove really well. It's just unfortunate how everything went down. So outside looking in for him. But, uh, yeah, so a little bit of controversy with Dai and Denofa. But outside of that, not much controversy from day one. Fairly clean event. Bond dominated. Absolutely on fire. And in the, the final round, Vaughn and Osbo, did you see the gap Vaughn put on Osbo? Surprising. Yes. That that is impressive. Osbo doesn't get gapped. Yeah, no, I agree. That was uh super impressive. That's why when I said Vaughn dominated, uh that's kind of what I mean cuz it was a no question, especially against no. a guy like Osbo who notably is consistently close to people. He got left. There was a huge gap there. Yeah, Vaughn it was, was cool to see that. He was dialed in, man. I mean, I not even just Vaughn was dialed in in, a, in a round three. His car was just set up perfectly. You saw a lot of people struggling with grip settings, I think, contributing to th- some things. Yeah. 
Bond, Bond's car. I'm really glad, by the way, shout out to RTR. Not that any of you people actually listen to our podcast, but I'm really glad they got rid of Vaughn's three-wheeling where he was nearly decapitating other drivers. It seems to not be as much of an issue anymore, and I'm really happy about that. So, you know, shout out to making his car not so much like a freaking SUV. Yeah, tires on the ground, baby. Yeah, tires are on the ground. And, uh, yeah, no, he did, he did, though. He drove really well. And that, that gap, his car was gripping well. It was just in absolute the zone. So that was a great point to bring up because you're right. It was yeah. definitely right. it was it was massive. It was impressive. I mean, especially like like I said, against somebody like Osbo. So cool. All right, man. So let's float to round four because this is where the fun is. All right, this is where we get to be a little <laughs> bit like schoolgirls and have some gossip because this is uh this is the round of drama. All right, man. So before we even get to the dramatic finale, all right. So let's oh. let's just hold that for the end so we can just boil that over. All right. All right. <laughs> But going to day two, is there anything of note in day two? So really quick, I'll give the rundown of how kind of day two broke down uh, for the listeners. So day two, your winners, I guess, kind of already spoiled by me. Uh, Vonnegut and Jr. won, Justin second, and Ryan Turk yet again grabbing another podium. Maybe your most consistent driver of 2020 at this point. Ryan Turk grabbing third. And uh Yeah. I mean, it was uh, interesting. Crazy. Of note that you I mean, basically, you could go back and based on any year at FD and see where Turk has finished and be like, well, that's out of nowhere. And by the way, Chelsea DeNofa, four. So I don't want to leave your guy out because I do like to also get fourth place, just right on the outside looking in. Chelsea okay. DeNofa finished fourth. Yeah, should have been better, but we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, yeah, Turk. Turk showing up, man. Really cool. I mean, he's first in points, correct? Uh, I believe. Turk yeah. is first yeah. in points right now. Vaughn, I think, made a huge jump because of the weekend. Right. I do believe Turk's still in first. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess we can go ahead and like say that too. So, your overall in the season, uh, Turk is in fact number one, getting jumped all the way into two, and Osbo at three. So, that's your one, two, and three on the season for the points chase right now. Yeah. And Turk coming back and finishing as well as he did with a mildly annihilated car at the start of day four or round four sorry like we were talking about robbins they said in practice really i don't know i i didn't see what happened but the car looked rough i think they replaced a lot of front end stuff and to still come out and and do that well is is awesome yeah by the way you you mentioned that magic bean there you know what i mean so you mentioned that and that's actually something that's going to be interesting right so i think it's um worth bringing up that osbo is currently third in the standings but osbo yet again did not get to run in uh, day four. So I say yet again, it didn't happen. But in round two, he was disqualified off the technicality with Field. It was insane. I don't think Field did anything wrong. I think Osbo got rightly disqualified, but it was still a crazy circumstance that Osbo got beat. This time, it's his manifold. And there's even a little bit of drama there because I'm not saying that the Papadakis race team wasn't able to get it done for any reason, but – it was even pointed out by Ryan Sage and Jared Deanda that uh, they were spending so much time on Turk's car. You have to wonder if focusing so much time on getting Turk's car running because it was first, if that caused him any issues to try to get Osbo's car up, which was next. And because a manifold crack doesn't seem like it would be something that would keep you out with that much time. It feels like they would have gotten that fixed. It's strange. It was like a, a split. It was a wide open. They, yeah. They, I mean – I don't know. Those dudes like welding that inside the trailer. That's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. 
to stay on top of what you're saying though, I thought they were saying Turk was coming up next and, and then Osbo was going to be after him. Right. So, I, so I kind of understand that in, in the strategy point here where you need a driver to get on the track so the team can get points. You know, we, we, we've got like tire sponsors, and car sponsors, manufacturers, all that stuff involved here. Um, I'm thinking that was a maybe bigger corporate kind of decision almost, if you will. Um, but still, with that big of a sponsor team, why wasn't there enough hands on deck to get both cars going? I, I agree with you from some of the guys with the more unlimited budgets, you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, pure speculation on our part. That's not to say they did Absolutely. anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't really know, but uh, it is interesting. You know, Osbo, I think is certainly in the running this year as well as Turk. And it just didn't seem like there was a lot going on. Osbo was 10 at the time, but I'm sure there's things that we couldn't see going on. So uh, again, not necessarily, I, I think Papadakis racing is probably, the best team in formula D I don't know how people could compete with that. I mean, they have some of the most successful drivers and cars, so certainly not a diss there, uh, but it is interesting. It was interesting for sure that Osbo had another controversial finish in uh, half the rounds this year and he didn't even get to run the 32, which is definitely going to be an uphill battle for him now to go after uh, the number one standing when you have a 32 elimination. So I also wrote my notes. So Taylor Hall, of course, yet again won. This this is the uh, I think the the year the coming out party, as you would for Taylor Hall. I mean, he I believe has won every event except round one. So three straight events he's won, not won the event, but won his thirty two battle, or even sixteen battle. Some of that's been a little bit of luck, but he beat Farouk, which is uh, statistically a good matchup. But I also did note. Farouk yet again actually drove pretty well. Farouk has come far. Farouk's lead run was a absolute thing of beauty. Farouk threw a ton of angle down, held it. He lost because his follow run wasn't very good, and Taylor Hall right. has been a mark of consistency this year. I mean, he really has. So I do want to give a nod to Taylor Hall, but I also want to give a little bit of a nod to Farouk. I think Farouk is a different driver this year, and again, there's negative opinions of Farouk, I think, from the past for a lot of people, but I think he's legitimately driving at near a pro one level. I don't, I don't want that to sound like a diss, but he's definitely driving at a pro one level. I think these days. Yeah. We didn't see any, you know, similar things like the Robins where he fell off the map completely out of our sight. He, he, he did well, just wasn't able to keep up with Taylor hole and Taylor hole coming off of his, his first battle win, like we said last round. And it, it showed into this one and man, he was on fire. It, he was, doing so well it was awesome it was really good to see him doing so much so much better he definitely was and i also have like matt fields versus rome so i think rome won that particular battle i think the judges actually mess that up a little bit this is kind of where i have some issue with this matt field and and you can go back and look at this replay if you're listening or if it's something you didn't see matt field straightened on the bank against rome and nobody pointed it out he no. fell off angle. His wheels were legitimately straight. I, I right. don't know how that didn't get called. I, and this I, is an easy track to monitor that because they have the nice hash marks, the, the white lines, if you will, the lanes going going through that corner, and you could clearly see he was he was shallow and, and like, or shallow and straight. And like you said, I mean, it, it was a sloppy chase from a veteran driver against a rookie driver. It was strange. Yeah, it was strange. And and field drove really well. Field has drove well this year so far. 
in general. And he drove well again. But uh, Rome, I think actually, you know, this is the second time Rome's been eliminated off a very close run and a controversial run. The other one being yeah. the door opening, of course, in round one. And I, I think Rome actually should have won that. I think that was that was unfortunately called. All I can say is from my perspective, had I been a judge, I think I would have sided with Rome. Yeah, agreed. He drove well enough to win. And so we already talked about Osbo getting disqualified for the manifold. Gucci got disqualified because he was having mechanical problems as well. And Dan Burkett, of course, was eliminated in the 32. So this was a bad day for Supras. That's why I put in quote, but it was. It was the first time all year we saw no Supra make it through after the top 32. That was a little bit of an interesting note, I thought. Dean beat Michael Essa to get his first win. Also keep Essa a little bit away from the leaderboards. That would have been a big win for Michael Essa. It's been a long time since Carney had a win. I mean, all year. So it, it was yeah. nice to see him get back on that. Dijahiro, of course, die and Jonathan Castro. Castro hit die. Castro admitted fault. The judges assigned it to him. That was another controversial one. It took about 15 minutes of replays, though. It was close. The shadow was kind of screwed up having to be able to see if anybody was deselling. But uh, Castro, classy enough, and definitely took credit publicly said it was his fault, uh, which I thought was the right thing to do. Absolutely. Uh, Chelsea, of course, I have my notes. I know you're going to want to talk about this, but Chelsea makes a whoopsie, a whoopsie against Vaughn twice, not once, <laughs> but twice. Chelsea easily could have beaten Vaughn. I think not easily, but Chelsea could have beaten Vaughn. And instead, mistakes kept him out of that win. What do you guys say about that, man? Okay. <laughs> All right. I can see it. I can see it in you. Um. Yeah, so Chelsea's coming in incredibly aggressive, and then he, he immediately throws it. You know, I, I got into the marbles, got into the tire marbles, which is is lingo for just burnt rubber up up on the top there. Um, like, man, you've been driving good all night. The boss man's behind you. You felt the pressure. It showed. You, you threw it in hot, trying to leave him, and it. I I, I just think it. I don't know, man. I I didn't want that. I. Uh, <laughs> He he could have done better, man, and he's always gotten – you know, you hear him after the end of, of every run or every event even pretty much. Chelsea's like, we should have won. We, we would have won. We would have won. You, you got to calm down a little, you know. I mean, I, I know that's hard to say when you're going against Vaughn, especially after the just powerhouse Vaughn was all weekend. But I think that was just a little, little bit of nerves there, really. Yeah, his, man. His entries were on all weekend. Yeah. He was consistent and – yeah, like I said, I think just uh, felt a little bit of pressure from the guy writing the paychecks there. And then the second run, I think that's where the tire come off the bead there. Um, yeah, after they, they fixed each other's cars or whatever. and Because um, they all had to change three rims each or something because they tore each other's crap up. Yeah, it was definitely unfortunate. Uh, you hate to see it go down like that. So I think that was the first time this year you see him consistently struggle in back-to-back runs. So it's unfortunate. Die versus Forsberg was interesting. Die doesn't make mistakes like he did. So it was very strange to see, but Forsberg went to initiation properly. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't think Forsberg did anything to cause anything. I thought Die's car may have broke. I honestly thought something happened. It shut power down because it straightened up almost instantly when he initiated. It went right into the wall. I thought maybe an arm broke. His car lost power or something. But he ended up saying in the interview afterwards that he really just misjudged initiation, went to a wall. It's it's strange. It's gonna it's putting him on the precipice of a top ten. But uh, the way he's been driving, I think he could be a lot better place this year. 
Uh, so that was certainly consequential for him in the overall point race. Yeah, uh, so big mistake for him, for sure. It's strange from him. It's strange from Definitely. him, too. He, he's, he's probably one of the most consistent drivers. Very oh. consistent. And, of course, like probably my biggest bummer of the day, as I'm definitely uh, a guy who roots for Kazuya Taguchi. <laughs> Taguchi eliminated himself in the top 16 against Taylor Hall. Taguchi clearly had that run won, and it's against a good driving Hall. We just gave him a lot of credit earlier, but Taguchi won that. And Taguchi spins out the only driver the whole weekend, I believe, that spun out yeah. and going into the literally right before the finish line. I mean, absolutely killer. Awful. Awful to see that happen because um, Hull had a slower entry and he was all, all over it, it looked like. And then, like he said, I mean, there's 20 feet of track left and it. It gets away from him. I wanted, like the, one of the easier turns. And it's and, and, like, yeah. the weird thing, too, is Taguchi clearly was super gripped up. You could see it when he was coming oh, yeah, in yeah. From, from outer zone one off the bank. His car was reacting really funny the whole weekend. But what it was, because it was so gripped, you could see it like yeah. fighting the road when it was lifting. And uh, just so much grip to spin like that was just so strange. Yeah, it's so a bummer, strange. man. I saw that happen. I knew you were at home hurting. It was just strange. <laughs> you know, he really had – he had that one. He gapped all uh, off the bank, and I think he clearly had a W there. And he's drove so well this year. But, unfortunately, lost. And, uh, man, I mean, Taylor Hall, of course, went to the top eight because of that. He showed mega improvement even in the loss. He lost in the top eight, of course. Uh, yeah. But I thought even in that losing run, Taylor Hall has shown that he's a mark of consistency this year. And he may very well finish very, very high up. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, but I think no. he's, he's going to be a legitimate contender this year. Yeah, that was great to see. And my, and he went against Chelsea Nofa in the top eight. And I have to say, I was a little disappointed with Denofa there as well because there was like a, a huge amount of handbrake pulls from, from Denofa in, in sections where he shouldn't have been doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, that, that's what cost him the win with Die. And it's like, man, this is, this is a flat foot track, which is, you know, should, should have been something he's a little bit stronger at. So, Ended how it ended. It's all good. So getting into the drama, let's get into the beef of this one. So first off, Mustangs took three of the final four spots. They almost had an all Mustang podium. Okay. So I want to point that out. Ford. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, they didn't hit anybody though. So that's good. But but Ford has to be happy. Three of the top four spots for uh, Mustangs was a huge thing. And, of course, your final was Vaughn versus Pollock. This is maybe the most controversy we've seen in half a decade of Formula D at this point. What, break yeah. it down, Ricky. What Because we, we talked about this, and I don't know if there's a clear answer. So what exactly do you think of the drama that occurred? Yeah, it, the, yeah the, I, it, I don't know. My, my thoughts and – me trying to formulate a sentence makes about as much sense as what we were hearing the judges say. I, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what to say. It was crazy. So Justin Pallick, way offline. without a doubt, w- w- without question, way offline. Um, if it's an unchaseable lead, why were they judging Vaughn for not chasing it? Right? Yeah. yeah. I guess say, th- that, that's the subjection right there. It, is it? Is it an unchaseable lead just because he was yeah. offline? Maybe. Is it actually unchaseable? Should you judge him for not chasing an unchaseable lead? I kind of, I kind, it, it, it in itself contra- is contradictory. Um, and then they started throwing out all the rules there, and I tried to comprehend them. 
it, it, it was all pretty fast paced when they were throwing this all out there, but you're allowed to pass a, a driver who's offline only on an inside clip. Only on an inside clip. That's been a rule for a while. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, we, which we saw happening in, we have to take into account Vaughn's field of vision. I'm not actually so sure that Vaughn could see where JTP was. No, now yeah. I know that's what spotters are for. So I'm sure there was something going on between the headset and the, you know, the guys up top watching. And then JTP gets on it, comes around, slams into Vaughn pretty hard in the, the after run interview, Vaughn, Vaughn saying how he thought it was unsportsmanlike, and, and then JTP saying like, I'm not going to throw away a win that easy. I'm, I'm, I'm with both drivers on that. That's a risky move, slamming your car into another driver. That's always going to be a problem. Like I said, I come from circle track racing where it happens every single race, so it's a little less surprising for me to see. But I know in, in, in drifting, to just deliberately just bash somebody is crazy. Well, I so know, where are you at with this? All right, man. So I put a lot of thought into this. Okay, I'm so, so Ryan Lontane said there was four criteria for passing somebody, okay? And I don't right, remember right. all four criteria off the top of my head. Uh, and you and I know this, it's basically impossible to find the actual Formula D rule book. It's part of the argument of transparency uh, right. from, from spectators to the event is there's really not a lot known by the rules. Listening to him though, Vaughn had three of those criteria met, okay, on the pass. Yeah. Uh, he can right. pass on the inside clip is one. I can't remember what two was, but basically going to four in the rule book, the last thing is that you have to be able – to make a hundred percent pass, right? You have to be able to fully surpass. Fully you have surpass to be only on the inside of a clip, only and driver, a uh, lead driver has to be. They say offline. I right. believe is is what they said. And he was. No. That's that's you that's know. that's objective. JTP was way offline. No matter how. Yeah. Right. So here's here's. I think Vaughn Vaughn was of course ruled at fault, and I think it was a good call. I think Vaughn was at fault because. It's just what Ryan Lontane said. Vaughn, he got 85 to 90% pass, but not all the way. Right. So when JTP went to flick, he made contact, which I think there was no way he really could have technically avoided that without straightening up or breaking. Okay, so like that's where my argument lies. Like he had to make contact at that point or he wasn't going to be able to finish his run. Here's my problem. Ryan Lontane, I agree with him here. This is the best thing he said and made it really clear is Vaughn didn't have to pass. Okay. So Vaughn didn't right. have to, because you're supposed to be following the lead driver. This is where the whole unchaseable thing comes in. Of course, not necessarily the correct line. So Vaughn should not have been taking the inside clip. If JTP was off it technically by rule and certainly didn't have to try to pass. Vaughn was ruled at fault. And then going to round two, it was kind of assumed even by Ryan Sage that Vaughn got a zero. Then the judges said he of course did not. Vaughn ended up winning. My argument here is I think Pollock should have won or, or gotten an OMT by their own rules because Ryan Lontane then, this is where I think they overthought things. Ryan Lontane said nowhere in the rule book does it say a failed pass has to be a disqualification or an incomplete run. But it doesn't make any sense that it wasn't an incomplete run because there's no way that Vaughn, who then ended up straightening really bad when Pollock hit him, and Pollock straightened as well when they made contact, both of them straightened there. So really it should have been two incompletes, and the assignment has to, in my opinion, go to the driver that was fault of the contact, which they ruled was Vaughn. Okay, so like right. I think that was incomplete, and then they completely ignored the straightening of both cars. But even if that, how can you really judge a run – from the part you've assigned fault because Justin Pollock, without a doubt, his line has now had to change. 
because Vaughn is, of course, jumping ahead of him. So there's no real way for Justin Pollock to finish the run the way he wants to finish it at that point because his line now becomes a follower, which is fine if it is 100% surpassed, but because it wasn't, I don't think you, you can fairly judge that. So I almost think you have to assign a zero to the car who's at fault there, which would be Vaughn, and they did not. I, I, I'm just confused by that completely. I, 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 overthinking the rules, in my opinion. Right, right. It's like it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. Right. So much going on. And, and the fact that they just kind of – I felt like it just kind of went to one more time because we don't know what to do. I think so. I think yeah, so. It, 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 it was too quick. It all happened too quick to try and come up with nature. They're up there scrambling. And, you know, FD can barely send up the right replays when they ask for one. So I, I think they just went to one more time to get past it. They said that they're probably going to end up making changes to the rules because of that run. I think they're going to have yeah. to. Because I, I just yeah, don't yeah. see how you continue on judging fairly if you've deemed a car at fault for causing contact by not going ahead. Because under Ryan Alontane's own – what he said – about it was Vaughn didn't have to pass. So if he didn't, none of that would have happened in the second area going into the last turn. So I just don't know how you judge it fairly from there. Right. Uh, so it's just a strange thing all the way around to me, but you know, formula D without drama is just not formula. That's D. it. <laughs> That's it. Before we get away, I do want yes. to throw one more point at that. Let's last, do it. last episode, I brought up the die and Vaughn thing, which happened at Monroe where he went up the stands and got into a Robbie Nishida because he straightened, after Dai was so far offline, he thought it was going to have contact with him. Now, JTP wasn't so far offline. I mean, where they were on the track is um, very different. But do you think that that was in Vaughn's mind where he said, okay, last time I straightened and got a zero to try and avoid, you, you know, getting a zero myself. So do you think he stayed in it because of what happened to him those, those years ago against Dai? It could. I think past events will formulate driving style. I, I do think that uh, – I think it's more the judges did that, though. I think they were actually, like, somewhat scared of Vaughn being so outspoken that politics right. kind of played a little bit into the decision there, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I think Vaughn would have hit the roof had he gotten a zero on that run. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that may have played into it a little bit more. This is not, you know, a diss to any driver or any judges. Uh, sometimes in judge sports, things like that happen. But uh, I do think it may have even had a little bit on their their mind as well, to be yeah. fair. Uh, so let's roll in. So actually, that's a really good segue right there, really quick. <laughs> so we're talking about judge sports. So I want to talk a little bit about D1 for people. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, of course. We're almost done with the podcast tonight. Uh, but D1, D1 GP these days, if people aren't watching D1 because it's now only in Japan and no longer in America – you're kind of missing out. It's a totally different driving style. It's a lot of fun to watch. And D1 got rid of judging a long time ago. That's the thing. It's they, they no longer really judge. So they now use what they call the DOSS system. Uh, so you pronounce it DOS. And the DOS system is basically, it's a computer system that judges the car based off of speed, the angle, and angle stability. And then they give judged points only to things like proximity or if a car dropped the wheel off the, like into the dirt, they can assign points, like a few points on the run to that. The judges, the judge can, but it's more or less now completely calculated by a computer system. DOS, by the way, D-O-S-S stands for D1 original scoring system. Um, but so that's kind of interesting. So kind of what's your take there, man? Like, do you think that the DOS system 
would be a good way for Formula D to avoid some of this drama? Yeah, I, I think in Formula Drift, the less we can rely on judges, it, it is going to do us all really well. Um, no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it It's really cool. So it's basically all telemetry. Okay, so with a sport that was founded on style, mm-hmm. how how can the DOS judge style? I feel like we've really got to like do this in another podcast to really like break into <laughs> this because it, it really is. It's great. So there is arguments that there's people that uh, there are drivers that drive for the DOS system. So you got to think about this. D1 still has solo runs and D1 has battle runs, just like we have head to heads. And uh, the DOS system, the biggest argument is that people no longer have necessarily the desire to drive close in the chase because it's still judged by a computer so it really doesn't know now they do get points like i said judges can assign points for proximity so if a car in the chase is right on the door they can give four or five points that way or two or three points whatever they think as an additional bonus so i think that's why you still have a little bit of judging to assign bonus points like that but there are definitely no doubt drivers who have learned to drive to the dos system i think you're correct now the dos system is set up in a way to still influence style so the higher angle you're getting, the more consistent you're getting, you're getting higher points on the DOS system. So it's still encouraging a stylist to driving, but there's definitely drivers who drive to make the DOS system score and no longer to actually just push drifting. I think that's that's a whole other argument for sure, and it's a good one. Okay. Yeah, it's that's definitely a lot to digest at the end of the episode here. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's a crazy idea. I mean, it's not much different than um, our drivers driving strictly to what the judges give them in the driver's meetings where they want to see them here, 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 and here. And uh, like we were saying earlier, then we came into issues with proximity and same thing, basically the same thing where we're at now. So who knows? I think we let, let's talk about this a little bit more on the next podcast. I think we can Agreed. break into Agreed. the D one thing. We'll have some time on the next podcast. Let's, let's make it uh, to do that. So Ricky, you said you had something else you want to talk about tonight, but you didn't want oh, to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. I forgot about that. All right. So this is strictly experimental here. One of my favorite things to do with my wife while watching Formula Drift is uh, listen to Jared DeAnda's crazy sayings and <laughs> things that he says, the conversation between him and Ryan Sage. So I have a list here, um, and, and, and I wrote on here, and I, I, I don't want this to sound um, you know mean or anything if, if anybody of importance decides to listen to us one day, but I, I, I have a paper here, the top five dumbest quotes of the day from Jared and you can see I filled the entire page so I'm going to try and find my my five favorite and uh or just random things he said <laughs> Ricky I like how you said I don't want to be mean but here's the top five dumbest things he said <laughs> like, maybe <laughs> maybe we can call that the top five most J-Rod the top okay. five most J-Rod isms <laughs> let's, let's do that of the day oh my goodness okay all right, so this one here I kept a tally mark next to, and um, I got this up to five times I heard him say this, and I got um, Sopa on the Ropa at a solid six times throughout the weekend. <clears throat> um, let's see here. Number two, I got that got Sketchball during uh, the Turk Osbo one more time run. Okay, Sketchball. Okay, the Sketchball, you know, that, that's somewhat common, but it was just the delivery, you know, you had to be there. Um, during the Air Force trivia, the the word B-52 provoked this this comment here. We got tin roof rusted, love shack, right? <laughs> okay. We're, we're all in the same place with that. I don't know what he's talking about. It, it, the band love sh- or B-52, love right, shack, I get right. it. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, uh, find the gremlin. Don't feed him after midnight. Don't get him wet. That, that happened. Uh, let's see here. Oh, my mind is an Etch-A-Sketch. I just draw pictures and shake it around. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, I got him here talking about Justin Pollock. Justin, looking a little concernicus. <laughs> and this this one here is somewhat of a a montage here well, um, th these are all comments directed to Ryan Sage um, what beckons the chuckle why the giggle got a little giggle from Ryan what warrants the chuckle Th those are all really uh, pretty funny I thought so you're saying okay. that Jared likes chuckles and giggles because I keep <laughs> mentioning multiple times what's going on oh I, I got a whole list I don't want to give them all away on this what the podcast do, will never end yeah let's let's do like a top five okay. j-rodisms <laughs> uh, after every round you can you can you can host that segment because it's definitely funny i like it let's do it man <laughs> thank you jared for the unlimited material there you go mm -hmm. man jared dand always bringing the uh interesting stuff i i like jared bro like he's just he's funny i, I love it <laughs> He, he's been around like so long now too. And I mean, I know there's, there's like people that legitimately despise him <laughs> online for some reason, but like, I mean, he, he's a good, he's a good opposite of Ryan Sage. Like Ryan Sage is very it's like perfect. professional and very like kind of to the point. And Jared Often is like, I'm going to be yeah. kind of funny. And I like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've definitely experienced it as well. I've, I've been sitting in the stands and heard people just shouting, shut up, Jared. Hear people laugh guy's got character for sure but so yeah. just spoken fun don't he's, hate the guy just spoken fun i love no him. yeah he's been around too long at this point to get rid of man he should retire <laughs> exactly. when he wants to from this because he's been around a long time he's, he's invested <laughs> all right ricky so it's been another good episode with you man and uh we will return of course for another episode in two weeks we will not have another round at that point so our next episode will be a little bit more like a traditional podcast will talk about other drifting topics, not Formula D, as they, of course, got pushed back into the end of October. By the way, uh, October 30th through November 1st is the next round. Okay, so uh, that's going to be your Pro 2, also round 5 and 6 for Pro 1. Same weekend, D1GP also has rounds going on in Japan. So there's going to be so much drifting to digest that weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. So that's going to be a good one to talk about eventually. But yeah, the next podcast, I think we'll get a little bit more into a traditional drifting podcast, not pro talk. And uh, I look forward to doing that, man. All right. Good, sir. Well, you have a good night. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in again. Uh, we welcome any questions. We now have a Facebook page. We also have a Twitter page. Kazuya Taguchi was our first like on a post, which, I mean, it was also about his car. But, I mean, I definitely fanboyed a bit. It's nice to see somebody that's in the scene give us a little bit of recognition. So. That's yeah that's yeah that's what i'm saying so i was i was happy with it and uh so we do have a twitter and facebook and we'll get an instagram in due time so make sure you guys follow us there and make sure to check out episode one if you haven't already let us know what you think criticisms if you have things that you like just let us know uh, any questions you want us to talk about and i'm gonna work on getting a couple guests to come in i'm gonna keep that a little under wraps we'll see we'll see but maybe a couple of guests notable guests well. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to the e-break. And uh, make sure, again, to follow us. And have a great week, y'all.